like all the cats on the internet. Girl, you better keep your mouth shut, hold your tongue, don't say something will make you regret. Girl, you better keep your door shut, keep your door shut, the devil's out prowling, I bet. Girl, you better keep your mind shut, this book hasn't failed us yet. I think what we should do is, I like all the cats on the internet, and then theme song, and then... <laughs> yeah. Okay, welcome to Girlsplaining, the podcast where two girls who are smarter than you offer our expert opinions on a different topic each week. I'm Kylie. And I'm Elizabeth. And you're welcome. So this week, we are talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This will be part one of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer conversation. I agree, Coop. Out of here, Coop. We're going to be talking about seasons one through three, and we are going to get into some good stuff and hopefully keep it to under 46 hours long. Because, guys, when we first discussed doing a podcast, we were like, hey, we should do a Buffy podcast. But there are already a few Buffy podcasts, so we're like, we'll do something else. But uh, we are, we still do have an entire podcast's worth of Buffy inside of us. It's true. Buffy means a lot to me and my life and you and your life. It's my ringtone. It's right. Yes, it's true. So I guess we should get into it. I have copied and pasted here some information from our old friend Wikipedia. In case you are unfamiliar with Buffy or would like a refresher... Buffy the Vampire Slayer is an American television series created by Joss Whedon. The series premiered on March 10th, 1997. This is its 20th year uh, in existence. In a couple of days, it's 20th anniversary, actually, as of recording this. We are recording on International Women's Day. Happy Women's Day, Kylie. Um, So it premiered on the WB and concluded on May 20th, 2003 on UPN. The series narrative follows Buffy Summers, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, the latest in a line of young women known as vampire slayers or simply slayers. In the story, slayers are called chosen by fate to battle against vampires, demons, and other forces of darkness. Like previous slayers, Buffy is aided by a watcher, guides, teaches, and trains her. Unlike her predecessors, Buffy surrounds herself with a circle of loyal friends who become to be known as the Scooby Gang. I think that sums up especially seasons one through three. So mm-hmm. what's your what's your story of Buffy fandom? How did you get into the Buffy zone? My story of Buffy fandom is one day they put Buffy the Vampire Slayer on Netflix and then I watched all of it. And how did it make you feel? It made me feel all of the feelings. Every single one. I will say that, so my first time through watching Buffy, it was the middle of season four, and I went through a really traumatic breakup, and it was right when Oz and Willow broke up, and he, like, left forever, and it was just like, yeah, and I was just like, my heart, I was like, this is what's happening to me, and um, watching through seasons one through three, I was like, oh, that probably could have happened at any, I was like, oh, how serendipitous that this is happening while I'm watching this. Like, it could have happened at literally any time because there's constantly at least a breakup happening on Buffy. It's true. They happen in quick succession, sometimes stacked on top of each other. Yeah, sometimes characters who are already broken up break up. 
as we see in season three a little bit. Yeah. Aw, season three. I watched Buffy from, I think, almost its beginning. I think the first one I saw might have been, like, episode three, but it's hard to remember because I was but nine years old since it debuted in March. I was not yet ten. And it was amazing. I was, like, I just remember sitting there and just being, like, they get me. (laughs) Like, this show is just, like, who I am on the inside. Um, (laughs) And I identified very heavily with Willow uh, Mm -hmm. as a child. Uh, My Neopets screen name was Buffy Freak, and Freak was spelled (laughs) F-R-E-E-K. I remember Neopets. (laughs) I had a penguin named Bruce. I bet it wasn't a penguin. I bet it was, like, called something else. I don't remember what all the little Neopets names were, though. I don't know, but he was a blue penguin. I I know he wasn't really, like, literally a penguin, but he was a penguin. I remember I had like a little thing called an XE and its name was Rockabilly Chick 13. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah, pets. Yes. And I would record episodes of Buffy on my TV VCR combo in my room on VHS tapes because I had dance class on Tuesday nights and so I had to record it. And I still have I still have the season 4 season finale on a tape somewhere in this house. And I have a lot of Buffy memorabilia in books that I probably should have brought out to show you maybe later. Very cute. <laughs> yes. So I was very, I was, it was like my original fandom. And I actually didn't watch season six and seven until mm, at this point, probably like eight or nine years ago. But it was later. Mm. It wasn't until later because I just like was not in a place where I was watching a lot of TV. I was like a cool teen by the time six and seven came around. Mm. And also it was on UPN and nobody's TV got UPN and very good in St. Louis. Oh, interesting. So, so it was just like inaccessible. Yeah, so I didn't even see Once More with a Feeling until years after it came out, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. So, but also the season finale of season five is a pretty good series finale. So. Yeah, it definitely is. But I'm glad that I went back and watched the rest of it, for sure. It was very good. So you said this was your first fandom. Elizabeth, tell me about how Buffy shaped who you are today and who you were growing up as a little tiny Elizabeth teen. Mm, I definitely think my sense of humor and my pop culture speech ways was uh, influenced by Buffy. I Actually, one of the books that I had was a book of scripts that were reprinted from season two. It was like five scripts from season two and I like read them a bunch of times and the teleplays, if you will. And mm-hmm. I just was so into the dialogue and definitely modeled my cool self that I had after Buffy dialogue and characters. And I think it subconsciously developed my sense of feminism mm-hmm. and that I think it would just like enveloped itself into my worldview. Like, yeah, of course. It's fine if you like to shop for shoes and also slay vampires. That's normal. And, you know, I'm just glad I had that in my life. Yeah, I really appreciate how Buffy Summers, the character herself, really is just evidence for all of girl kind and woman kind that you can be a badass and still be femme. Yeah. I feel like the world tries to tell us that if you are into shopping or makeup, then you are a silly girl who only likes silly girl things. BT dubs, things that girls like aren't dumb just because girls like them. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that helped develop that sensibility in me. So now I'm like, I used to, when I was younger, be like, no, I don't like pop music. 
Right. Pop <laughs> music is for dumb people who like dumb stuff. Right. Things aren't dumb just because they're things that ten girls like. And are popular. Yeah, like, I definitely, at the time that it was on, I was like, I like Willow and I like Faith. And I feel like I never would be like, my favorite character is Buffy as, like, a kid. Because it's, like, mm-hmm. the titular character. It's, like, too obvious. But now, like, obviously Buffy's my favorite character and is the best. And I could do I could do without everything. I mean, Buffy's amazing. Like, she's amazing. I love that you brought this up on your own. Because I was actually thinking it independently, like, a second ago. And then I was like, well, maybe we're not talking about our favorite characters yet. Oh, but yeah, sorry, yeah. Buffy is... <laughs> no, Buffy is my favorite character. Yeah. And it's one of the only things where my favorite character is the main character. Because it's one of the only things where the main character is a badass female. Yeah. Yeah, to this day even. Like, every show should be more like Buffy, basically. So, um, <laughs> if you're not a Buffy fan, listen. Then, first of all, don't listen to the rest of this no, podcast. Do, and then you'll understand how to be a better person and be a Buffy fan. Um, but no, but also don't, because we're going to say so many spoilers. Oh, shit. That's a good point. Watch all seven seasons, come back, listen to this podcast. Cool. In your opinion, and this is actually interesting coming from someone who watched it as it was airing in the late 1990s and beyond, and then someone who was watching it after those times had passed, how do you think it holds up? How do you think the show, the first three seasons, specifically the high school years, hold up? I think they hold up great, as evidenced by the fact that I did not see them until a few years ago. And I still was like, yes, and became obsessed, and it went into my rotation of things that I fall asleep to, along Mm -hmm. with Gilmore Girls, Um, and uh, that's probably it, honestly, is those two shows. Even the stuff that doesn't hold up, holds up, because it's funny. Yeah, I think the humor is very much timeless. I think think the, the humorous nature... And, like, the sarcasm holds up. And having just rewatched Friends, I think the humor from Buffy holds up better and is smarter. Oh, definitely. So, yes, the humor definitely holds up. What I actually meant when I said that is, like, I robot you, Jane. Oh, yes. The internet is dangerous and crazy. The net. Is, like, yeah, the net. Referring to things as... Jenny Calendar, the techno pagan. Bless you, Jenny Calendar. Like, all of the silly things that seem silly and aged are just now, like, I'm like, oh, that's adorable. Yeah. I Robot You, Jane, uh, to refresh anybody's memory, is the one where Willow gets on the net and falls in love with a boy, and they're like, ASL, and he is an evil demon. Um, And then he inhabits a body made of metal scraps. And Willow chops him up with an axe. And then we all learn a lesson about the dangers of web-based dating. Yeah, so if you are swiping right, make sure it's not an evil demon that has been freed from an ancient tome by the book being scanned, which is what happens. As one does. Yeah, yeah, so be careful out there. The internet stuff is the fashion <laughs> but I also love it. I I have been tempted more than one time to buy leather pants. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's a lie. It is a lie. Also, like, chunky heeled mm-hmm. boots. 
So like, with baggy pants. Mm-hmm. Also, like, Buffy, you would never be allowed to wear any of that to school. They are in Southern California. Are they? Yeah, yeah. Or so, is that just a thing that happens on TV, and a lot of TV is based in Southern California? Well, if girls aren't wearing, like, <laughs> crop halter tops, how can they slay vampires? I That's mean. an excellent point. Yeah, and the hair is also quaffed, very quaffed. Yes. So I wanted to touch on something that doesn't hold up that well. Okay. Which is the color palette of the cast. Yes, correct. It is white. It is very white. Intersectionality was not a high priority in the narrative of Buffy. And that's, you know, that is something that today... Seems weird, I think. I think we've come far enough that it's noticeable. Yeah, even just like thinking right now, I can think of one person of color who like has a name and and it is problematic. Yeah, and also something problematic about Kendra. That's exactly who I was referring to, because she's the only one, guys. We knew the same one, because she's the only one. Is her nuts accent. That's the thing that I was, is mostly problematic, guys. Yeah, she's like, it's bizarre. Oh, and one one time, Buffy mimics her. I don't know if you remember that. I do know that you mention it. (laughs) And it's rough. So, yeah, wish they would have done better on that. Another thing that holds up is that Giles is still hot. Giles is real hot, guys. Real hot. Watch out. Oh my god. Giles and band candy? Like, I can't. I can't. No. With his t-shirt with, like, the little sleeves rolled up just a little bit. And his bad attitude. Oh my god. (laughs) Rupert. One of my favorite moments in all of Buffy is when he, like, does a little motion, like he's getting mad, but then he just grabs the cigarette behind his ear and band candy. Oh. It's just, guys, it's such a good show. It's so good. Um, okay. Uh, Let's talk about Buffy's place in television history. Buffy was influential and groundbreaking in so many ways. There was truly nothing else like it on TV, and I think that's why I connected with it so much as a kid. And as a kid who came from, like, a very TV home, and my dad was, like, kind of, like, a low-key TV snob before. It was, like, a thing, like, we definitely, I definitely remember watching 30-something with him when I was, like, three years old. Um, (laughs) And... Stuff like that that was, like, a little quirky. Like, cult shows were definitely a thing. Like, I grew up going to science fiction and fantasy conventions sometimes. Like, I'm not a first-generation nerd, guys. Um, so I just really, like, connected with it. Like, the humor and how smart it was. But just so much supernatural sh- stuff that has come out. Like, True Blood, Vampire Diaries, even, like, The Magicians. It's on now. I just feel like that stuff wouldn't exist without Buffy. Twilight. That'd probably be better if it didn't, but it probably wouldn't, guys. It wouldn't. I was reading a little bit to do research, and a lot of people credit Joss Whedon with the trend of season-long arcs and, like, fighting a big bad for, like, this kind of show. Like, everything was pretty episodic because before DVRs, people missed shows a lot of times. And that was actually with another show, Twin Peaks, that was a big problem because it was not episodic. Like, you really needed to watch the whole thing. Like, it was 
a problem for the show and that's it like it took a hit in the reading because of that so like having those those season-long arcs and people being really invested in the whole thing which is now everything and it makes me posit the question was by for the vampire slayer the first show in the golden age of television yes I'm going to go out. She's going to pose the question and she's going <laughs> to answer it. And the answer is yes. Yes. Thank you, Buffy, for so, ushering in all the good TV. So my main contributions to the conversation about Buffy in the position of television history is uh, just a couple of quick facts for you. TV Guide named it one of the 50 greatest TV shows of all time. Number? Not one of the things that I learned. Right on. I'm gonna guess seventeen. It was one of the trivia. It's the tri- I was reading trivia about yeah. Buffy on IMDb. Nice. That's where I got Love that fact. trivia on IMDb. More notably, Entertainment Weekly named Buffy Summers the number three character of all time. Nice. Not television character. Nice. Character well numbers deserved. one and two. Homer Simpson and Harry Potter. She's definitely a better character than both of those characters, but that's fine. I mean, we don't have to get in a fight right now. <sighs> <laughs> All right, I'm just saying. Oh, it trailblazed queer baiting with Buffy and Faith in season three. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, and also, um, well, that's more of a seasons four through seven conversation. That's true. So, guys, there's more queer stuff later on. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah, but that specific thing of, like, people having mad chemistry and being mm-hmm. like, they maybe are going to make out, but they don't. Because they're straight women. Why did they make out with each other? Also, just the very charming thing of Joss Whedon going on the message boards and being like, you guys just want girls to kiss. And, like, talking down all of the lesbian subtext between Faith and Buffy. And then once all of the fans on the forum were, like, presented him with their carefully... All of the evidence that they had presented it to him. He was like, okay, you're right. (laughs) I feel like the evidence should be watching any episode where they talk to each other. That's true. But no, he actually, um, I found a quote about it. Dang it, guys. I lost my really good quote from Joss Whedon where he's talking about how the thing you create ends up not being just yours. Oh, yeah. I don't... don't And I'm pretty sure it was in reference to that because he's told that story before about how he went on those message boards and was like, no... Yeah, that's, like, such a pitfall that happened to television creators in the um, 90s. Like, that happened to Aaron Sorkin, famously on West Wing, and then he wrote a West Wing episode about dealing with internet people and was like, internet people are gross, (laughs) so. We touched on Twilight. We did. So, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about Buffy's place in young adult history. I feel like it's it is difficult to separate it out from just specifically in television, but yeah, Twilight and The Hunger Games, both in different ways, probably wouldn't exist without Buffy. Like girls dating vampires, I feel like is something that wasn't as prevalent in YA fiction before Buffy and is surprisingly prevalent now. I feel like <laughs> it's not surprising only because like vampires have always represented sex. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. It's very penetrative to put your teeth into someone's neck. Yeah. And I definitely think that there's a lot of teen. there were a lot of teens reading Anne Rice novels before, but, like, True. stuff that's specifically, like, I am a young adult book, I'm a teen girl, and my boyfriend is a vampire. And, yeah. But he's super old, but and, it's fine. But it's fine, because he looks young. It <laughs> makes it okay. And girls uh, that are heroes and are smart and are strong and are girly, like we kind of talked about, I think that that 
more has trickled into YA lit in a big way, much more so than television, which, I mean, you get Spencer Hastings on Pretty Little Liars, she may be the closest thing to Buffy on TV right now. Definitely the insatiable thirst of humans for supernatural fiction was tapped into by Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Speaking of Angel and having a boyfriend that's a vampire, (laughs) I think something that's very special about Buffy and that makes it so watchable and so rewatchable and so lovable is the depth of the relationships, both romantic and platonic and Mm -hmm. parental and familial and the whole thing. So I'm a hardcore Buffy angel shipper, like, till I die. Same. Yeah, it's... Did you read the graphic novels? I started and I, like, it just didn't feel, I didn't have, like, a connection to it the way I did the show. There might be something there for you. Ooh, maybe I should pick up the, I think I have, like, the first trade paperback collection. Maybe I should get further into it. <sighs> there's there's something there for any Buffy Angel shipper mm, that is intriguing. In my opinion, worth it. Okay. Maybe I'll get them from the library if they have them. There's a very good abortion storyline. Nice. Hmm. A very nuanced. Cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, apart from the graphic (laughs) novels that we're not talking about right now, Buffy and Angel, forever. Yeah, Buffy is 16 when she and Angel meet, and he is 230-something, I think. He's old. Yeah. He's very old. He's too old. You would think... That he was too old, but their love transcends all boundaries. Okay, but if there's any teen girls listening to this, your love your love does not transcend the boundaries. And that's Don't quite- date vampires. I'm not I'm not condoning dating vampires. Just to be clear. Unless you're Buffy and the vampire's angel. But you're not Buffy. No. I'm sorry. And the vampire's not angel because special gypsy curse. So. So. Yeah, I love what it. What aspects of the Buffy-Angel relationship appeal to you? It just feels so real. Like, their chemistry is so good. And, like, his ang Specifically, his anguish and how much he loves her appeals to me, I think. I think I'm like, yeah, I want somebody to love me so much that they're physically unable to breathe. <laughs> love is pain. How about you? What do you think is so appealing? David Boreanaz's beautiful face. Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting for me is that I watched Bones before I ever watched so Buffy. Weird. Isn't that weird? So I was like already very into both. Yeah, I get that. And so I think it was just like because I was familiar with him as this charming, funny person when he was a less funny person yeah. in the form of Angel. Angel's. Not I was. Super I had still already been charmed by him in that. Asked to speak on why I am into Angel and Buffy, I can come up with exactly zero reasons. I just think it works. I think it, it maybe is just the chemistry between Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz that really makes it work. Yeah. I I just, it just is so romantic. And yeah, they're the, they have some forbidden love stuff going on. It's real good. And how do we feel about uh, how do we feel about Buffy and Xander's relationship? I actually am very into Buffy and Xander's dynamic and the fact that they never get together. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. 
So a a thing that I really appreciate about Xander is that he is very attracted to powerful women. That's true. That's a great point. I don't know if I had really thought that way about it. It's a great through line because Xander is not a very powerful individual. Mm -hmm. He is attracted to Buffy. Yes. Whenever we meet Kendra, he's like, okay. And And whenever we meet Faith, he's like, okay. Wow. Yeah, I mean. And then whenever we... Cordelia is a powerful woman. Cordelia is a powerful woman. Anya. That's true. Is another powerful woman, for sure. Yeah. So basically every woman that Xander Harris finds himself attracted to, even he's briefly into Willow while she's in the midst of developing her witchy powers. Yeah, that's true. He's not into her until... That's such a good... I feel like my opinions about Xander are evolving right in this moment. That's such a good observation about him. That is super cool about him. Good job, Xander. I know. What a what a good friend. What a just like what a great thing that he's attracted to women who could kick his ass. Yeah. Yeah. The Willow Xander dynamic bums me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially It'll... in season one when it's introduced. <laughs> yeah, so I like I prefer Willow and Xander's relationship post season three. Me too. I think. Me too. I prefer Willow is very gay, and <laughs> she and Xander are BFFs. That's yeah. my preferred Willow-Xander dynamic. Yeah. I do really, really enjoy their loyalty to one another and their friendship. It's been there forever. Yeah, they're crushing on each other at different stages, but that's just... I feel like when you're a teen, you at some point have a crush on everyone you're surrounded by. That is for sure. For at least a brief period. It's a great point. I also, maybe because I identified with Willow so much, but when the show was in its initial run, I thought that Willow and Oz was, like, the most relationship goals. Like, Oh, yeah, definitely. Buffy and Angel was, like, soulmate goals, but Willow and Oz, I was like... Oh, they're so sweet and cute. Well, and they also have a very healthy relationship, which yes. is not, you know, I, no I would say definitely Buffy Angel is not relationship goals for me because it's not the healthiest relationship dynamic. Yeah, you should never kill each other or try to. Right. Oz and Willow, like, Oz very sweetly brings her a gift of a Pez witch just because he thought of her and she's like, what's the occasion? And he says, pretty much you are. And it's just, I just watched that episode, that's why I know that exact quote, but it's just so sweet, and everything about them is very sweet. She's very caring for him whenever he goes through his whole werewolf thing. Yeah, she's very sweet about it, and very supportive, and wants to kiss him even though he's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the first time that he sees her and is attracted to her is in Inca Mummy Girl, when she is dressed in a full Inuit costume, and she's, like, all wrapped up. Yeah. And it's just her face. Like, Who's that girl? And it's so cute. And then again in Halloween when she's, like, dressed totally unwillowy. Yeah. And he's like, who is that girl? And it's, like, the exact same thing that he says. And he's just so into it. And I just love that he is very attracted specifically to Willow. Yeah. I also love the moment where she tries to kiss him for the first time. And he's like, nah. And she's like, oh, I guess he doesn't like me. He's like, no, I really want to kiss you. But I'm pretty sure you're wanting to kiss me out of a reaction to whatever's going on with you and this other guy. Yeah. And when I kiss you, I want it to be about me. And I was like, oh. So mature for a teen. I know. Because he's the best. I know, baby. Xander Cordelia. Xander Cordelia, I like it. 
I like their relationship. I think Xander Cordelia is such a great representation of just high school lust. Mm, yeah. They're very high. They're a pretty legit high school couple. It's a pretty accurate representation of what it's like. They, like, need an outlet for their teen horniness, and then they end up kind of falling in love based yeah. on that. Yeah, I love Cordy, too, because I watched Angel, and, mm-hmm. like, she's amazing in Angel. Like, she is so good in Angel, so... Like, re-watching Buffy and, and Cordelia and Xander. Because I, like, did not like Cordelia in season one, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, so she's kind of set up as a villain. But she definitely gets so much dimension. And she's probably my favorite character, like, on Angel. I like that she gets her due. And I like the complexity of her character falling for Xander and her struggles with that. But her sticking by him anyway, you know, sometimes. Yeah. What do you think of the Buffy Willow friendship? I I love it, but like I think a way in which I connected with this show is that I felt really isolated as a kid. And I think that the dynamic that you see in the first three seasons of sometimes Xander and Willow, since they've known each other for so long, like have their little in-jokes and stuff and it and Buffy just never feels, like, fully reciprocated, mm-hmm. I think, in the, the Willow and Buffy relationship, and I feel for her. I think that's also a really good representation of friendship to have on a TV show, though, because I feel like that's so much of real-life friendship, yeah. and it can be, anyway, Yeah, um, is that you come in on a friend group, and maybe you don't ever really truly feel part of that friend group, because you're just never going to have the history with that person that someone else had. But also, just the first few episodes where Willow is just so grateful that Buffy has any interest in her as a human being. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. It is. Like, Willow is just like, oh no, you don't want to hang out with me. Like, you look like you. So you should go be part of Cordelia's popular kid group. Yeah. And Buffy's like, no, you seem cool and I want to hang out with you. Yeah. And that's just, I think that's so good for Willow as a person. I think she grows so much. Yeah, I think it helps her grow so much. I think it's a really beautiful representation of female friendship that we don't always see on TV because they don't fight about boys. Even though Xander crushes on Buffy, despite the fact that Willow has always been in love with them, that doesn't become an issue in their friendship, really. Yeah. And I love that. It, It can, like, sometimes cause sore spots. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But it's never, like, they don't fight over him or anything. No. Well, except for in the episode. Where he casts a love spell on on everyone. everyone, And they're all in love with him. Yeah. Then they do fight over him. Another relationship that I love is Buffy and Giles' relationship. It's so good. It's so good. Ah, it's so, so good. Like, he is a childless man with a checkered past. And he's an expat of Britain in this strange world. And he's so British, and he's not great at expressing his feelings because he's so British. Too British for feelings. He just loves Buffy so much and just has so much respect for her. And, like, what would she do without him? Giles' struggle to be good at his watcher duties, especially according to the Watcher Council, versus his love for Buffy. And paternal feeling. Deep and just, feeling. he has her, screw that guy who was in one episode as her dad. Like, yeah. Buffy's dad is not real. 
I def- Giles is her dad. I am a child of divorced parents, and I never wanted to, like, parent chop my parents because they, they don't belong together. And I didn't want to parent... I didn't feel like Buffy needed to... Because I was also an only child with divorced parents. I'm, I'm feeling like I am deeply understanding uh, me as a child-loving Buffy. Um, but... I never thought, like, Buffy should want her parents to get back together, even though she says it a few times. I was like, no, you should parent trap your real dad and your mom, Giles. Giles and Joyce. I mean, again, band candy. Yeah. So good. So iconic. (laughs) Oh, my God. And the one where she's, like, got psychic powers, and she's like, you had sex with my mom (laughs) on top of a police car? And it was, like, a fully a few episodes later, but I could just so specifically remember them making out on the hood of that police car, and I was like, oh. Get it, Joyce. Get Get, it. get all of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the Buffy-Giles relationship is great. Um, so speaking of mom, Buffy and mom. Buffy and mom. I love Joyce Summers so deeply. What a great character. One of the best moms on TV. And so, so supportive of uh, her daughter, the Slayer, as much as she can be. I mean, she doesn't want her to be the Slayer, but... I must somewhat object to the idea of her being so supportive of her daughter, the Slayer, as we transition from season two to season three, where Joyce Summers says, if you walk out that door, don't even think about coming back. Wow. And then she doesn't, and then Joyce is like, you left. And Buffy's like, yeah, you told me to. I I love Joyce. I love Joyce as a flawed human being. Yeah. Who is struggling to accept her daughter the way she is. Yeah. I appreciate her desire to accept her daughter for who she is. Because she knows that, But I don't think that she does. Yeah. Well, it's... Joyce doesn't see that being a slayer is who she is, the way a lot of the other characters in Buffy do. Like, Buffy comes to accept that probably in season two, maybe in season one. I think she continues to struggle with it throughout the series. But definitely, I think in Prophecy Girl, we see she's like, okay. The first time she's really embracing it. Yeah, because she's like, I am going to die, but that's, this is who I am, and this is what I have to do. Yeah, but for, but, and as, as a, a mom, which I am, I do understand not being able to accept that as an identity of her daughter. And I think Joyce is the only person in the show that Buffy knew from before, yeah. And I think that's something that's important because to Joyce, Buffy is still who she was before she was the Slayer. And that's not true for any of the other characters. That's true. I think not being a mom, but yes, being a daughter who had a lot of conflicts with her mom, I think that definitely colors the way I see Joyce. Yeah. And again, in appreciating her desire to get to know and accept the daughter that she has instead of the daughter that she wants to have. But I don't think that I see her as a person who is, like, so supportive of her daughter and... Well... (laughs) Compared to my relationship with my mom, it does seem, it does seem a little rose-colored glassy, probably. It's not an important relationship to the show, but I have always loved Spike and Drusilla's relationship. I like just the way they take care of each other and how it's like real fucked up, but also really sweet. He just wants Drusilla to have whatever she wants and it's so cute. Spike is quite possibly my second favorite character on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I love Spike. I have so much love in my heart for Spike. Yeah. I could talk 
for a very long time about him as a character and uh, plan to once we get to Sorting Hat. Ooh, okay. Well, I am excited for that. But yeah, Spike and Drusilla is a very, very special... You know, she she is... When we first meet Spike and Drusilla, she has some stuff going on and he's taking care of her... And then a building collapses on him, and he's in a wheelchair, and she's taking care of him. And when she carries him out of that church rubble. Yeah. So sweet. It's just so sweet and so not functional (laughs) at all. No, such a broken little family. Oh, I love them. (laughs) So I know there's, there's a lot of discussion about is Buffy feminist, especially by people examining it now through the lens of 2016-2017, and I'm sure it'll continue to be examined. You know, it's created and written by a dude, you know, and people have um, a lot of feels about Joss Whedon and his treatment of women characters. I think there's a lot of think pieces devoted to the subject. (laughs) I think it's feminist as fuck. Yeah, I think the simple answer to the question is yes. Are there things that don't hold up as well as they could because it's 2017 and this show came out in 1997? Yeah, of course there are. Just like there are a lot of things about the women's suffrage movement that wouldn't hold up today. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good... Um, it definitely is is the same amount of importance to feminism as women's suffrage. I think we can all agree on that. That is exactly what I was saying and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I stand by it. So a specific, yeah, a few specific things. So first of all, there are a lot of people who have a lot of feelings on Joss Whedon. Let me just proclaim that I would name my child Joss if I could. I have a partner who is not amenable to that. But if we have a boy, we are naming him Malcolm. Which is named after a character from Firefly, which is another Joss Whedon show. Guys, I'm really into Joss Whedon. So I have a couple of quotes So Joss Whedon very famously in a speech mentioned that people will ask him, why do you write such strong female characters? And he said, because you're still asking me that question. I think that Joss Whedon is an excellent champion of women. Yeah. I think the fact that he's not a woman is not his fault. (laughs) That's correct. It's his chromosome's fault. So people, you know, who object to seeing him as a feminist icon, I say no. I say no to you, and I say yes to Joss Whedon all the time forever. Yay! Joss, Joss, Joss. Oh, um, so I I meant to mention this further up top. One of my other favorite Joss Whedon quotes that I have come across in my time is, Make it dark, make it grim, make it tough, but then for the love of God, tell a joke. Yes. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of everything he does. Yeah, that's important. I mean, I think that's great advice for writers and creators, too, because levity is what holds us all together, and it is abundant in all Joss Whedon things. And I just, like, my sense of humor is very dark. Yeah. Like, I have gallows humor because humor is my coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. So when something bad is happening, I make a joke out of it. And that is, like, all Joss Whedon things. Yeah. And it's a good coping mechanism. And then a couple of other specific things, feminist things about this show that I wanted to point out. The very, very beginning of the show, when it shows this beautiful little blonde and this guy in the high school hallway, and she's like but are we going to be okay? And you're like, oh no, that guy's a vampire and he's going to kill you. Yeah. And then she vamps out and murders the hell out of him. it's Darla. And I was like, 
fuck yes, yeah. I am already so into this show yeah. for deciding that she was the predator in that situation and yeah. flipping everything on its head forever. Yeah, that that was really cool. Yeah, it was a really good opener for a television show. It's a good thesis statement. Uh, the show also, in the first three seasons, has three episodes relating to domestic violence. Whoa, so there's Ted, Ted is the obvious yeah. one that comes up first in everybody's mind. Ted starring John Ritter. John Ritter. Okay, the yeah. late great John Ritter, R.I.P. Yeah, so rip John Ritter, but um, as a robot, he has murdered a few of his past wives um, because he believes that a home should be a certain way and that he is the provider and that the wife needs to fall in line. And he's he's a robot from the fifties. He's a robot from the fifties. And he, um, yeah, he has a lot of pretty misogynist ideas, and he's the villain, which is cool. Yeah. Because, um, as I have to explain to people sometimes, sexism being featured in a show does not make it a sexist show if the sexist is the bad guy. Right. Beauty and the Beasts is an episode where Buffy is meeting her brief boyfriend, Scott's friends. Scott. Debbie and Crazy Guy, whose name I don't remember. And we find out that Crazy Guy, whose name I don't remember, is being abusive to Debbie. Um, And she defends him and says things like, oh, it's because, you know... I shouldn't... She blames herself. She blames herself for what's happening and says, he just loves me too much. You know, he gets jealous. That's not his fault. It's all the reasons why it's not his fault and why it is her fault. One of the things about Buffy being the product of its time is that uh, Debbie is putting on some makeup to cover up her bruises. And Buffy's like, oh yeah, difficult to cover up a shiner like that. You know what works? Don't get hit. (sighs) Which is not a great thing to say, and not what we should say to domestic violence victims, because it does place a level of blame on Debbie. Yeah. But I think the fact that it even features teen dating violence at all, and that we see that that can be a hidden thing that happens, and that we see justice for Debbie in the end is positive. I think that uh, we as a culture have since learned not to say things like don't get hit a little bit better. I hope so. I think if the show was written today, Joss would not write it the same way. Or whoever wrote this episode would not write it the same way. But so that was one. And then also I Only Have Eyes for You features another domestic violence murder. Yeah. Which is a very complicated thing and is actually one of my favorite episodes. That episode is rough. It's rough, but I really, really like it. Yeah. For all of its complication. So it's a teacher sleeping with a student. So she's a female teacher. He's a male student. She has power over him because she is the teacher, regardless of his age. It's not an appropriate relationship to have. No. But he shoots and kills her. So then there's that other power dynamic. And then we also see, like, maybe he needed forgiveness or something. And that was weird because he murdered her. And do we really need to feel for his side of things? It's very complicated, but just, like, the writing of writing it so that it gets played out this way and then at the end the way that everything is written so it works out so perfectly for it to be buffy and angel is incredible to me and i think it's really great writing um but yeah so those are three different episodes that feature domestic violence in the first three seasons of the show there's also 
Innocence in season two, which is the episode after, well, after Buffy and Angel sleep together and he becomes Angelus. And they have a fight at the mall movie theater and, Mm -hmm. like, they're just really going, I mean, and it's pretty shocking to see Angel just punching Buffy's face. I mean, and she's, it's not the same, obviously, because Mm -hmm. he's, like, a different person, and she's the slayer, and she doesn't, like, bruise easily, but, like, at the same time, just the visual of Angel one episode after they, like, had this very romantic moment and everything, and the exchange of the clatterings to just be punching her face is, is, like, visually shocking and certainly feels like an abusive situation. So, yes... But I also never really viewed Angelus and Angel as the same person at all. I viewed Angel as a demon that came to inhabit Angel's body sometimes or vice versa. There were two beings who at different times inhabited the same body. Yeah. So I did not really view any of Angelus's, I mean, much, so, so much psychological and physical abuse. Yeah. I mean, of Buffy. Well, he's a monster. <laughs> like, he starts killing off all of her friends, or, you know, killing yeah. off and attacking all of her friends. Did the same thing to Drusilla, we find yeah. out at some point. Yeah. That he did the same thing of, you know, basically wanting to break her psychologically, which is probably why she is the way she is. Yeah, so I didn't really view any of the angel, or rather, the, any of the Angelus stuff towards Buffy as a domestic violence relationship. No. Because it's not him no and it's not but i do think it's like allegorical i mean i think it's... that is yes so what are some of your worst and bests of uh the first three seasons of I, Buffy? I learned something about myself and listing my worst episodes because they were teacher's pet the puppet show inca mummy girl go fish and the zeppo I forgot about Go Fish. And what I learned is I do not like episodes that are about Xander. Yeah. I don't like Go Fish. I forgot about that one when I was listening to my voice. That is not good. Mm-mm. I said bad eggs just mainly because oh, it's so forgettable. It's yeah. just barely an episode and some assembly required, which is where there's like boys are making Frankensteins for like their dead Frankenstein yeah. brother and they try to make a Cordelia Frankenstein bride and it's just real dumb and bad. It is. So yeah, so all of mine though, so teachers, I mean the puppet show isn't really a Xander-centric episode, but it's teachers so have- stupid. Teacher's Pet and Inca Mummy Girl are both about Xander falling in love with some girl. Some random monster. Who cares? And then... But Inca Mummy Girl does have the Oz Willow thing, so that is good about it. Yeah, that's the only good part of it. True. I don't like it. Go Fish is very weird and dumb. And the Zeppo has some funny moments because it just, you get like these background shots of like, what the hell is happening with everybody else? Yeah, I like the Zeppo and it's also written by Jane Espenson, who I, I fangirl about. The thing, so the thing that I do like about it is you see like this thing coming out of like the library floor and they're all working on it. And Xander's just like in his own world of like, uh, I guess I can't ask them for help. I have to go deal with these dead guys that I'm hanging out with. Yeah. So are just not my faves. I love Xander Harris as a character. I do not give two hoots about watching an entire episode about him. (laughs) I do not give two hoots. It's such a cute thing to say. Not even two. Maybe one, (laughs) but definitely not two. My best episodes, I just, I narrowed it down to three, but I think you have a longer list, but probably all three, maybe all three of mine will be on yours. I put Prophecy Girl, Becoming, and The Wish. 
I didn't have the wish. Oh, but I did have Doppelgangland, yeah, which is okay. related. Yeah, it is related. So, yeah. So, my best list is twice as long as my worst list. Because that's, that's just... Good, good, good. My feelings on Buffy. So, my best are um, from season one, Witch and Prophecy Girl. From season two, The Dark Age, What's My Line, Passion, I Only Have Eyes for You, and Becoming, which was clearly my strong season because then season three, Band Candy, Doppelgangland, and Graduation Day. Yeah, those are all great, though. Those are all great. There are a couple of, like, um, bottle episodes in, well, not not quite bottle episodes because they don't all happen in one place, but the episodes that aren't, like, season arc ones yes, that yes. I just specifically stood out to me, like, which... Yeah. Is really incredible as, like, a very early episode of a television it show. It is a very early episode. It's, like, episode three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes you think. And it has, like, this very complicated mother-daughter relationship. And it just makes me feel so sad for Amy. Yeah. And then it's such a, like, weird, good kind of horror-ish moment at the end where, yeah. like, you see that her the mom statue. is trapped in the, the trophy. trophy. Yeah. Like, that's just, a, like, something that would happen in a horror movie that I appreciate. Prophecy Girl is so good. The first great episode of, like, great episode of Buffy, in my opinion. It just, like, ugh, I just, every moment of that episode I just love. It's, mm-hmm. Like, I just rewatched it, and I was so into it. It was just like, yes. I was, like, ten years old again. It's just, it's to me the picture of what a hero is. Totally. Just in the same way that Harry Potter, at the end of Harry Potter, decides, yes, I'm going to have to die, but that's what the world needs, so I'm gonna do it because I'm the bravest person alive. Totally. And she does it all in a beautiful dress that everyone, a white dress that everyone keeps complimenting, and it's amazing. And yeah, she says, I may be dead, but I'm, I'm still, still pretty. pretty. Oh, it's so good. So good. I already talked about I Only Have Eyes for You. Becoming is, of course, great. Mm. So heartbreaking. So I, like, cried so much when I watched that. Oh, me too. It's nuts. Band Candy is just so much fun because of Giles and Joyce. And it's a fun setup. It is. Like, yeah, it's great. I also love the Xander line of where he's like, wait, I've been eating tons of this chocolate and I'm (laughs) acting the same. (laughs) Oh. It's because I'm just super immature. Got it. So cute. Oh, passion. So kind of moving backwards a little bit. Passion is great. Breaks my heart every time. Giles walking up the stairs, and you know what he's going to see, but he doesn't know. And it's just... I actually just got goosebumps thinking about it. It's so awful, but that's Joss Whedon. It's awful, but I love it. Yeah. It's very Joss Whedon-y. Whedon-esque. Doppelgangland is great. It is great. It's a lot of fun. Vampire Willow is (laughs) one of my favorites. Totally. She's a good one. Ugh. That's... Yeah, The Wish is dark. So dark. Doppelgangland's probably more fun. Maybe maybe Doppelgangland is a better one than The Wish, but... I, I think that's why The Wish why is, like, so good at storytelling, and it's, like, so... It yeah, like, as a television episode. I also did a couple of, like, best and worst arcs. Okay. Um, I said that the worst arc for me is when Xander and Willow make out and cheat on their girlfriend and boyfriend. Oh. I hate it so much. Oh. <laughs> I hate it so much. It makes me so uncomfortable. It makes me want to crawl out of my own skin and die. 
Yeah, I hate, I hate everything about it. The anointed one. Especially just because, like, Oz is so good to you, and you are being and the worst, honest, and you are better than this. And, like, Cordelia's <sighs> never been vulnerable with, like, anyone but Xander, and he, like, betrays her, and, and it's she puts so shitty. photo up in her locker, and uh, she's finally, I know, she's finally being vulnerable, and, like, admitting that she has feelings, and he just stomps all over her poor little heart. Yeah. And uh, the anointed one is kind of stupid in season one, like the child. Yeah, I did like that it was like, oh, we killed him. Good job. We yeah, got good the job, big everyone. burly guy, and so clearly the anointed one is gone now. And then it's like the little kid. Yeah. Twist. Very M. Night Shyamalan. Um, and then for best uh, arcs, I really, I said Spike and Drew and the mayor. Great. The mayor. Great, so, great, great. Yes. 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 <laughs> the mayor is my favorite arc in the first three seasons. Yeah. He is definitely the best villain in the first three seasons. So good. He And he is so funny. Like, everything with the mayor is so funny and also so scary. And, yes. like, just his, the way he doesn't like germs or curse words. But it it's is delightful. <laughs> and he's also so horrifying. Yeah. So, so evil. And then at the end, when he's about to die, and he goes, well, gosh. <laughs> yeah. As a big giant great. snake. Ugh. The mayor is definitely my favorite arc from the first three seasons. It's wonderful. Uh, oh, and, and it, in addition to that, more specifically, the the mayor and Faith. Yeah. And yeah the yeah, mayor-Faith yeah, yeah. relationship is a reflection of, of the Giles-Buffy Buffy relationship. Ooh the dark mirror of their relationship it's so because she's like because she sees Giles and Buffy and she's so jealous of it yeah and she's like I want a dad and it's not gonna be Wesley Wyndham Price no he's not a good dad oh speaking of arcs <laughs> that I don't like Wesley Wyndham Price and Cordelia gross get it out of here ew nasty quit no no and also no and also I do really like though that when they do finally kiss they're both like that was so gross that was bad yeah they agree. They, maybe that's why it was. Maybe, like, they just got ratings back and were like, oh, everybody hates this. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should also hate it. Yeah. Sorting hat time. Sorting it's time. time for the sorting hat. Oh, yeah. You guys are excited for this. We've been waiting for this. Um, we did a little bit of cheating and had a very intense discussion the other day with another human about we this vastly disagreed with stuff because it's very exciting it's a very exciting sorting hat so then we had to like reel ourselves in so that we wouldn't it's true i think um we should probably start with buffy buffy's gryffindor moving on she is the best <laughs> of every house i think and could be in any of them but also she's, she's just such a gryffindor yeah such a gryffindor i mean prophecy girl she's a gryffindor okay Willow, Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Even all of her witchcraft is like really starts out as I'm curious about learning things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to know and, if it's possible to do this. And when she like f- starts fucking up in season four and getting too much power, she's she's just like so excited to learn. It's really not about power so much as experimentation. And then for a while, it's more of like a drug allegory. Yes. Okay, Xander Harris. Xander Harris. Xander Harris. 
I posited to my husband, perhaps Xander Harris is a Slytherin. And I have to say, it caused a bit of marital strife in this household. He was not amused at this idea. He was like, I am actually offended that she would say that. So what is the basis of the offense? Oh, what, what does he he's think like, he's a Gryffindor. He's the Hell only... to the naw, friend. <laughs> he's like, he's Gryffindor the is not even though. the second place house. He's, he's the only one without powers, right, in the Scoobies. And, you know, he is the most like Ron Weasley, but then that made me examine, is Ron Weasley part Slytherin? More so than it made me ask, is Xander Harris a Gryffindor? <laughs> See, that just makes me feel like that I am right in saying that Xander Harris is a Slytherin, who, if he wasn't a Slytherin, would be a Hufflepuff. Just like if Ron Weasley wasn't a Gryffindor, he would be a Hufflepuff, in my opinion. Yeah, Xander has, like, the when he gets his construction, well, that, which isn't in season one, two, three, but blah, 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 it's hard to say. And I think there's also the, the whole thing of you get sorted when you're 11. And I think there's an important distinction between, like, who you are as an adult and who you are as a child. And I think that Xander probably would have been a Slytherin when he was 11. I think that Xander would have continued to be a Slytherin throughout time. Here's the thing. (laughs) Xander Harris is a person who was like, I like Buffy and Buffy likes Angel. So why don't I just convince someone to kill Angel? Yep. And then sends Faith to go kill him. Yeah. And he's also like, I like Cordelia and Cordelia broke up with me. So why don't I cast, get a witch to cast a love spell on her to make her miserable? Like he is, is the only person in the Buffy universe who doesn't have any powers besides Giles, who let's argue has enough knowledge and also physical badassery that he's kind of has powers. Xander is the only person who doesn't, and he is pissed about it quite frequently, and he acts like a little bitty piss baby and uh, needs to get over it. Yeah, I don't know, guys. I feel like we're going to get some mail, some mail about this one. <laughs> I don't care. That's fine. Giles is a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. He's a Ravenclaw. Very pure. I also added a few other people. Okay, so this is this. he's still a Scooby. Um, we said we were going to do the Scoobies, but we're going to expand to anyone. I feel seasons one through three is fair game. Oz. Oz is interesting because when he and Willow meet, it's because they're like the smartest kids in the whole universe. But I think he's such a Hufflepuff. But he doesn't really seem to care that there's the smartest no, kids in the like, whole universe. No, he's like, whatever. He's like, and he also like fails his senior year of high school because he doesn't go, seemingly. <laughs> and has to do it again. Uh, plot device. And, uh, <laughs> Willow will tell anyone who will listen that he got the highest SAT scores of anyone who flunked their senior year of high school. Yeah. But Hufflepuffs aren't necessarily stupid. It's, I mean... Yeah, I feel like Oz is a Hufflepuff. I said Oz is a Hufflepuff. He's very loyal. So loyal. I feel like that's his main quality. And then uh, yeah. Ravenclaw because he's, like, very philosophical and he always is. says about things... It's interesting. He's like Luna Lovegood. That's exactly what I was thinking. Aww. When I, 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 the Ravenclaw piece was like, he's very, got some, he's got some very Luna qualities. He does. He would be a Luna Lovegood type Ravenclaw. Were he a Ravenclaw, I still feel he's more of a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Angel. Angel, Angel is a Gryffindor. I can't decide. I can't decide he's, where to put Angel because he doesn't have much personality. And his personality Angel. trait is that like, he's, he's dark so, and angry and that he loves like a, Buffy. Such a savior and he's always like... That's true. I okay. don't know. He's such a Gryffindor. So Angel can be a Gryffindor. Angelus is a Slytherin. Well, he's a demon. <laughs> you know. Uh, Drusilla. I mean, she's... I feel like all vampires are Slytherins. Like, 
I disagree. Okay. Drusilla, I think, has a lot of Slytherin in her, and maybe as I think Drusilla may be a Slytherin. I think she's also very Ravenclaw because she's got all of these like mental ability based powers. Yeah. Like like Professor Sybil Psychic powers. Spike. <laughs> Spike's a Slytherin. Spike is the purest Hufflepuff that has ever existed <laughs> oh in the history God. of time. He is very loyal. I don't know that he works hard. He's kind of lazy. Spike's primary characteristic is that he is the most loyal human being that has... Well, he's not a human being. <laughs> ever exist. Okay, so Spike is the most loyal <laughs> being... Being. ...that has ever existed. He's so loyal to whoever he's with at the time. That is his thing. Like, Drusilla, he is so loyal to he her. Is. He does whatever he has to do to take care of her. That is true. Everything he does is in service of her. Um, when they break up, he goes back to the town where they were together to try I and know, figure out how so to rekindle sad. their love. Spike. When he decides that instead of Drusilla, he's into Buffy, he does everything he can for her, even though he hates it. Like, yeah. he does not want to be in love with Buffy, but he is, and so he's going to do everything he can to make sure that she's okay. Yeah. Oh, he I gets really a say soul something about for her. her. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I do, I do kind of think, yeah, I could see it. I mean, that's a good argument. It's a good argument. And when he has a goal in mind, I feel like Spike is generally pretty lazy, but that's because what does he want? He wants Drusilla. He has Drusilla. Okay, done. Yeah. When he is, is working towards something, he is a very hard worker, I would say. And we can get to, that's more applicable, seasons right. four through yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah. I keep wanting to say things, but it's really not for this episode. Right. That must just Anyway, be. Spike is a Hufflepuff. Okay. That's, and that's my story, and I am sticking to it. That's a very divisive issue. I would say, well, we can start Faith, because it's like... Slytherin. Yeah, but she's like the opposite of Harry Potter, I feel like, where she's obviously like could be a Gryffindor, like she has the potential to be a Gryffindor, but mm-hmm. she chooses Slytherin, you well, know? Well, and the reason I say Slytherin is because I think Faith is very analogous to Severus Snape. Yeah. In that she had, you know, not the best background, and was very desperate for someone to love her, and it didn't happen, and because it didn't, she's turned out the way she is. And she wants to be good, but somebody has to give her a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same reason. Yeah. Little faith. Should we close up the old sorting hat? Bye, sorting hat. Let's put it back on the shelf. See you next year. It is time for Woman of the Week. Do you want to go first, or? I will go first. Okay. My Woman of the Week is Emma Watson. Lovely. Emma Watson is the best. She's Hermione Granger. I love her forever and ever. Amen. The reason that she is my Woman of the Week this week is because Emma Watson was on the cover of Vanity Fair, and she has some gorgeous photos in that magazine. One of them features a crocheted shawl thing over her shoulders, and you can see some inner boob. And people are mad about it. There are a lot of people who have said really sarcastic things about, oh, I thought she was a feminist, basically. Saying that you can't be a feminist and also have boobs. Yeah, who... And uh, Emma had some things to say about that. She said, feminism is about giving women choice. Feminism is not a stick with which to beat other women. It's about freedom. It's about liberation. It's about equality. I really don't know what my tits have to do with it. It's very confusing. And, like... 
go Emma Watson for calling that shit out. Because yeah. feminism is not a stick to with which to beat other women. It's a That's great... That's dumb. And um, I personally feel that I can be a sexual being and have breasts and still be a feminist. Yeah, so take that titty police. Yeah, take that titty police. Mm-hmm. That's one of my new favorite phrases. <laughs> My woman of the week is Tashora Jones, who yesterday was unsuccessful in her bid to be the next mayor of the city of St. Louis. Unfortunately, she lost by 888 votes to Lida Krusen, who's an older woman in the city. And uh, I think that we kind of know why. I mean, I think race played a big issue in it, but Tashora was a very inspiring candidate. She brought a lot of people together and um, she had a lot of great ideas and hopefully she'll run again next time. And it's actually really amazing that she lost so narrowly considering she would not grant an interview to the St. Louis Daily Newspaper, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and instead wrote them an open letter calling them out on systemic racism in their editorial board and just basically is a huge badass with a lot of integrity. So good job, Tashara. We love you. Good job, Tashara. Bad job, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Boo forever. Boo forever. Ever. We are all buffied out for the night, I think. Except that I'm going to go home and watch Buffy. But besides that, we are all buffied out per this conversation. Yeah. And it's over. It's over. You're welcome. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Girlsplaining with no vowels. G-R-L-S-P-L-N-N-G. You can also reach us by email at girlsplainingwithnovowels at gmail.com. Vowels are letters that are A-E-I-O-N-U, so don't use those, but use all of the other letters. And if you want to find us on the World Wide Web, our website is girlsplainingshow.com with all the appropriate vowels. And our music is Girl by the Leonas. Thank you to the Leonas. You can find their website at leonasmusic.com. And Girl is from their album Forbidden Fruit. That has all of the vowels, too. So we just watched the opening of Buffy the Vampire Slayer for the first time. What did you think? That was awesome. What was your favorite person? Buffy the Slayer. Do you think she looked strong? Yeah. Yeah. What else did you like? The teacher. Giles. Giles. Xander. That's cool. Do you think it was scary? Uh Uh-uh. No? Awesome.